similarly to a tech company, I think agencies are uh, have that same challenge of really being clear about what they're best in breed in. And then they, you know, they bring partners to the table that offer other capabilities. But I think you'll always be better served if you've got, and if you can make money doing it, right? A specific area that you focus on and you're better than anybody else. My name is Kyle Willis, and this is Marketing from the Roosevelt Room. Well, hey, welcome back to a new episode of Marketing from the Roosevelt Room. I am really excited today to bring to you one of my mentors, friends, and be able to share with you uh, some insights that Randy Wooten is going to be able to bring to us today. Randy is now the CEO of Percolate. I've had the joy of working with him in past uh, agency life, and from back in 2012, he's been a mentor in my life, helping shape uh, N2Q to where it is today and be able to speak into that. Randy's been able to bring a prestigious career. If you look at this guy's resume from uh, being a bombardier navigator in the U.S. Navy, a teacher in the Navy, to a senior level roles at Microsoft, uh, sales force, now CEO roles, Rocket Fuel that he helped get acquired, and now Percolate. Randy, I really appreciate you being able to make some time to be with us here today. Well, it's my pleasure, Kyle. Randy, what what I love to uh, bring to the table that I feel you have a unique perspective on is that you've been a leader in marketing for more than 20 years. From top roles at Microsoft and Salesforce to now CEO roles uh, at uh, Rocket Fuel and Percolate, you've been able to see what has changed in marketing over the last 20 years. Would you say I'm correct in that? Well, I, I've had a, a perspective for sure, yeah. Kyle. It's been, it's been fun to watch it play out. I would say that one of the things, a big influence on me before I went to business school back in 1998 was a book by... Uh, Peppers and Rogers, Don Peppers and Martha Rogers called uh, The Future of One-to-One. And I remember reading that book before going to business school and thinking, this is where the world's going to go. And you got to think back at that time, email was still relatively new. uh, Ads online were still relatively new. And the premise of Peppers and Rogers was what we all have been talking about for 20 years. It's getting the right message to the right person at the right time. And What's interesting, Kyle, is I've been wrestling with that problem for nearly 20 years on, on lots of different fronts. To your point, you're working as a, uh, with Avenue A, which was one of the earliest digital agencies, which became a quantiv, to uh, I helped roll out uh, the uh, third-party ad server, which became known as Atlas, uh, to being MSN, working on the publisher side, to being at a programmatic um, provider, DSP, Rocket Fuel, to now content. And so... We can chat a little more, but there really are three dimensions of, of personalization. And I think we're at the point today where the technology is finally caught up with promise. I'd love to hear more about that. You said three dimensions of personalization. Can you allude to what those may be? Sure, absolutely. So if you think about it as a triangle, personalization has three dimensions or three vertices. One is around consumer identity resolution. And this is uh, where there's been an immense amount of investment First wave would have been around DMPs, data management platforms. Yeah. What you're seeing today are CDPs, and there are a couple of great companies up in Seattle, in fact, that are leading edge CDPs. And um, you saw a whole 
massive wave of investment in this technology. Uh, Oracle bought Blue Kai. Salesforce bought Crux, a good friend of both of ours, who's uh, CEO of Crux. Um, and you just go down the list. At Rocket Fuel, we ended up buying before I joined a company called X Plus One, which had a DMP. And that entire uh, focus was around understanding uh, uh, PII and the data that you use um, specifically to connect to uh, web presence as well. So non-personalized information and pulling it all together. And so that that was the first kind of major area of uh, investment. The second was what I would call contextual relevance. And so that was really trying to understand where someone was at that time, at the moment or the moment of influence. And Ultimately, I went to Rocket Fuel because they were one of the only ones really providing real AI. Uh, we were processing something like 200 billion bid transactions a day and making decisions in less than 20 milliseconds about who the person was, uh, what device they were on, what they had done right prior to that moment, and using uh, AI to infer what they might be doing. And you see this today with Amazon, where they recommend books, Netflix, when they recommend um, movies, Google and Facebook. It's the largest companies in the world with the most access to servers that are able to crank out uh, immense processing power, compute power, uh, to really understand what's happening each and every moment. Wow, okay. And I'd love to know, so from your perspective, you talk about the right message at the right time. As you've seen these, the change of time, knowing what the right time is, knowing how to define what the right message is and the vertical for that message, what have you seen change in the last five or 10 years that you'd say doesn't work anymore? <laughs> what doesn't work anymore? Well, I think what mistake should we stop making? <laughs> yeah, I mean, you've probably seen more of it than I have, Kyle. I think that, um, and it's one of the reasons I came to percolate was this this idea that you know, advertising isn't really working, and you know, that's hard for someone who spent his career in advertising. And marketing. <laughs> um, but you know, the thing I say to people when I go out and uh, speak at conferences, the party trick is I ask, when was the last time you shared an ad? And, you know, Good audience, question. a couple hundred people, no, no one raises their hand, but when you say, Hey, what was the, when was the last time you shared a piece of content? And by that, I mean, a blog, long form, um, white paper, video, lots of people, uh, uh, raise their hands. And so I think there's an interesting evolution of, the value exchange between a consumer and a, and a brand or an advertiser and what they're looking for in the buying process has changed in terms of the, the information they want to um, have at hand and what they're willing to share. And so I do think uh, when we used to joke when I first started in digital, you know, make it pink, make it blink, and you had a bunch of click-throughs, um, things have really changed. And I think with your background, Kyle, you know, SEO and what we used to work on at AdReady around social and building that out. And you were teaching me a lot about that. Like I didn't really understand what it meant or how to do it or how to use it. But it seems like that, at least in the last five, seven years has in some ways come and gone. And we can, we can chat a little bit about social, but just more broadly, I think it's about the, um, creating content that's compelling and accretive to someone's experience um, is the opportunity for marketing and making it pink and blink is what's gone away. 
I love that. And something that I've been well-educated by you in about creating content as it associates to someone's experience, one of the phrases that I've loved learning from you on is moment marketing. Oh, yeah. Right. Yeah. I'd love if you could share a little bit of what you mean by moment marketing and how that works in a marketing mix. Yeah. And I think that was speaking to the point earlier about that you have these moments of influence. And what's interesting is most moments of our lives are banal, meaning you know, nothing's going on, right? You're, you're walking to the office. And the opportunity for marketers is to really understand and intuit when is the right moment of influence to engage. And so to do that, you have to process an immense amount of data. You have to understand, for example, the story I tell is, I remember being on the couch watching an Oakland Raiders game with my boys and there was a Disney ad and I was on TV and I was like, what, you know, why is Disney advertising? on <laughs> And I think they had it nailed that when they were advertising on TV, they were actually targeting families. And because my boys were on their device and I was you know, looking at my phone, there was an opportunity to, to, to really create this unique advertising experience, the TV and the phone. And then my boys were on their iPads, right? Each of those are slept different moments yeah. for each individual. And the opportunity with moment marketing is to understand the moments in deep, those moments of influence in depth. So you know, what is the ad to send to me while I'm sitting on the couch, the different ad you send to my boys and the different ad you put on the TV that pulls it all together. And my proclivity buy is much higher when I took a, a, a Disney vacation when I'm sitting there with my boys are like, Hey dad, let's go to Disney. Yeah. The Raiders have got a special deal going on versus if Disney were to advertise to me while I was on BART coming into the city, I would ignore it. Sure. So I think this, this, it's really understanding the moment. And then that last C of the triangle, Kyle, is really around the creative and building the right creative. And what we ended up finding out at Rocket Fuel was people really wanted to understand the moments, but they couldn't build creative at scale. You could not build enough creative to satisfy the demand because there's, um, limited resources and you've got people who have to build it. And so I do think as you look forward, uh, one of your questions to me was what's going to change. I think there's going to be a lot more artificial intelligence, um, like natural language processing applied to uh, creative development uh, such that you don't have to have uh, individual designers create every piece right now. That's the constraint is the third vertice of the triangle. It's the person's capacity to build content in a world that's requiring almost infinite personalization. Wow. I like that. Uh, that's been one of the challenges that we always run to as a creative agency is that the limit of time and scope, how can we create enough of what you need with what your budget may allow? And so being able to automate that creation in a way to reach the desired audience in a fresh perspective and not have to manually do it every time, that would be a game changer. Totally. And I think, and you know, we've seen a little bit of this. I, one of my f companies I respect immensely is uh, JB Rudell and Credio out of France. And they've done an extraordinary job with retargeting and e-commerce and dynamic creative optimization. And I think you find retailers in particular have faced this problem because they have uh, a plethora of SKUs, product SKUs. And online, they had to create a mechanism to enable uh, delivering specific SKUs to individuals based on their sizes and gender, et cetera. So I think they're, they're pretty far out with product um, optimization, dynamic creative optimization, but I don't think we've done content optimization. And that's, 
you know, blogs and videos and white papers and things along the lines that are going to be accretive to the experience. And that's one of the things that we're working with at Percolate is to wrestle with that problem. So it, it is, um, it's really an interesting challenge. And I think you'll see more marketers. Um, we talk a little bit about this, if you'd like, you know, B2B marketer, but there more marketers are, 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 coming to terms with the idea of a customer experience yeah. versus brand and, and what does that mean and how to build it out. So I'd love to hear your perspective on that in creating customer experiences. How much of that does the marketer define versus trying to look for signals and signposts from the customer what that experience should look like? Who defines that customer experience? Yeah, I, th- I think it's a conversation, Kyle. I think that's one of the big changes is it used to be, and so let me use an example of um, B2B because that's where I spent most of my career. I think it's different in B2C, but you know, you back up 10 or 15 years ago and B2B CMOs and heads of marketing were responsible for building a brand, a corporate brand, and it was a transmit, right? You, you, you have these anthem campaigns, you uh, create broad awareness across markets, uh, what has changed is, uh, and, and sales then was responsible for closing the deals. What has changed is B2B marketers are being held accountable for pipeline generation. And um, in some cases, I've had uh, colleagues say that they are responsible for generating 30 to 40% of the pipe. And so now you have this integration of marketing and sales in a way that marketers are building content tied to buyer cycles versus sales cycle and having that integrated with the sales motion. And so it becomes really complicated in terms of when you're doing a large enterprise sale, you have many people that you're talking to, influencers, decision makers, uh, uh, participants in the decision, um, and having to understand where they are in their purchase cycle over what can be a six to 12 month sales cycle uh, can be overwhelming, right? You're spending all this yeah. money in yeah. acquisition. And so marketers are, are having to set up um, much more detailed listening posts. And so I think that's what you're seeing with social as a mechanism for listening to understand what's happening. They're having to reinvent the way they think about doing marketing. So from brand and primarily uh, PR into this enablement of sales with content at specific uh, snackable bites of content that salespeople can use throughout the sales process. Uh, and they also, one of the things we found was the website's use has really changed from a brochure where, and many people say, yeah, I get it. You know, you, you early stage website research. What we find is that sophisticated B2B buyers are also using the website of a vendor at the end of the sales process when they're trying to complete the RFP in the business case. And so when you think about how you're constructing your website, you want to provide enough information up front that you get them excited in early stage. But then if you go into the procurement phase, you got to figure out how to use a website, gated content, registration to enable those people to get access to the information that's going to help them uh, build out their RFP and make sure you're the solution of choice. So I do think that there's a there's a com- complete change in the way that marketers are thinking about, or the most successful marketers are thinking about how they execute marketing, uh, interact with customers and prospects and customers throughout the buying process. And then post-buying, uh, you have a whole other dynamic around customer marketing and how do you continue to market to them and make sure that they renew. I love hearing that because it's exactly what we've tried to model 
know the quo around of this holistic approach to marketing. It's so often we see that people say, hey, we just need to fill the funnel with face, you know, through Facebook ads, we can start driving everyone to our website and buying our whatever it might be. Hey, if we just watch our webinar, download our white paper, that's going to fill that pipeline. And what we've been seeing more often than not is that while some form of advertising may spark interest and begin that journey, it is the content on your website online that people may hear about you see about you from an ad but they re- begin that research process to say who are you and why would I want to buy from you versus anyone else and if you don't have the content if you don't have a well optimized website if you don't have the ability to engage them with some form of value online then your ad is one and done yeah I think so I think that's right I think um one of the chains, and I'm sure you've talked a little bit about this, Kyle, is the proliferation of marketing vendors, uh, MarTech vendors. I think today there's 7,000 if you go to that chief MarTech website or the Lumascape. I remember when there was 150. And so one of the challenges you have as a technology provider is breaking out and having a differentiated message that people are going to pay attention to. One is, you know, how do you get in front of them? And then two, and you're in front of them, how do you uh, help them understand what you do is different and it's something that they need to have rather than just a nice to have, right? It's something that they're willing to part with money to, to, to purchase. And I think that everyone is experiencing that if you're a technology company, um, it, again, B2B tech company is, uh, what is it that you do different? Why do, why do marketers need you? I read some stat recently that, um, enterprise marketers have more than 20 different marketing SaaS systems in-house. And so there's an incredible need for marketing orchestration and operations is a new discipline that's um, developing to enable that. But I think if you're a marketing vendor trying to find your spot in the landscape or the ecosystem, it's really hard, really hard. Uh, I'm writing notes down as you say in that saying, man, that's exactly what we've had to go through in regards to being able to refine our message. Um, one of our very first episodes here with Marketing from the Roosevelt Room was using a quote from Teddy Roosevelt, uh, where he basically is saying, you got to understand who you are and what you do better than anyone else and stick to that. Don't try. It's, it is the whole Google message. Do one, do one thing and one thing only, then do it well. Yeah, I think so. You know, I'll tell you for your listeners, Kyle, one of the books that I found very um, impactful for me over the last three or four years has been Play Bigger. I don't know if you've heard that one, but it's about category as strategy. And when I was at Rocket Fuel, uh, we moved, we were really trying to move the company from being one of the the MarTech Alphabet Soup acronym companies, you know, DSP, DMP, what did that mean? to uh, defining a category about predictive marketing, to your point earlier around moment marketing, what did that mean? We were trying to take it even another step beyond, which was around predictive marketing and having that be a discipline where you could use all this information to literally predict what was going to happen. But that whole idea of how do you create a category is one of the things when I came to Percolate, similarly, was let's get super clear about what we do that's better than everybody else. And we argue we're a content marketing platform and we've been a leader in, in Gardner and Forrester and Serious Decisions. And like, you got to own a category. And what you find, it's fascinating 
as one of our investors, if you go to uh, Sequoia's website, they literally say that they invest only in ca- those who are defining categories and who are going to be category kings or something along those lines. Because like 80 to 85% of the net profits of a category um, resolve to one or two of the leaders. And so I think, again, to your point, the Roosevelt quote, it's nail, articulate and define the boundaries of a category that you can win in, and it can be pretty small, right? And then as you get bigger and and uh, uh, have more capabilities, you can have a broader category, a larger addressable market. But I had not, uh, until uh, Rocket Fuel, well, I guess I never had been in position because I hadn't been CEO, but I never really thought as deeply about category creation until that, uh, uh, that tour of duty and then found the book Play Bigger, and it really helped make sense of a lot of things. And we've been, I have every, I talk about it with every single new hire employee. We have a book club. We're doing a book club meeting this Thursday on it. Cause I think it's uh, incredibly important for everyone to understand, not just what our business strategy is in terms of the, for building in our business model, but the business strategy in terms of the category that we're going after and why it's important at a series C company to be, uh, you know, my almost myopically focused on category creation. That's, I love that. Thank you for sharing that. I think that's been something I've seen. I know we've certainly struggled with ourselves of, uh, should we offer all services as a marketing agency and, and do it all? Or should there be something that we really specialize in? Not so much as a niche as it is more of an expertise. And that's been, as we've been able to bring that definition to us, of seeing not only our skills grow, our revenue grow, but the ability to truly serve the right client. So, oh, go for it. Do you have something else to add? Yeah, no, I, I think that's it, that is the challenge, right? You're always looking to understand whether you should be broad or deep. I would offer that you know, as an agency too. But one of the things that you've done really well, Kyle, at least when we were starting off, is you had a you had a niche, and, and for me, it was mostly around social and then SEO. And I think it's for as an agency, the the opportunity is really to be clear about what your lead suit is. You can offer other things. You have a set of contractors that can help. But like when people are looking for the very best in social, I think about this. I just did an RFP for uh, brand and positioning work and uh, did, it had four or five different agencies come in and do their pitch around brand and positioning. And it was very, very clear about those who were the experts and those who this was something they did, but it wasn't where they were building out their DNA. Um, and I think you're going to find people buy agencies for one or two reasons. They want a full shop with everything in it. And that's when they'll probably go to the big guys or they want best in breed. And what they want to find is that you're best in breed. And so similarly to a tech company, I think agencies are, uh, have that same challenge of really being clear about what they're best in breed in and then they, you know, they bring partners to the table that offer other capabilities. But I think you'll always be better served if you've got, if you can make money doing it, a specific area that you focus on and you're better than anybody else. Amen to that. So, Randy, I'd love to wrap up with just a couple personal questions from the perspective of what you've learned over your uh, life as a marketer that our listeners can apply very practically to their lives. I think, you know, you, you offer a unique perspective because you've 
played so many different roles in both B2B, B2C, and uh, outside of uh, the business world and being in the, the Navy as well. But I'd love to know who you are today. If you're to look back at Randy from 10 years, uh, 10 years ago, what would you say to yourself in regards to your career, your marketing, just understanding the business world. What is, is there anything you would do differently or prepare yourself for? <laughs> that's, that's quite a question, Kyle. It um, is. It's, it's a loaded yeah. one. But, yeah, no, there's a uh, lot there. I think, um, <laughs> you know, the thing about marketing, which is hard other than other functions, is there's so many different components of marketing. You think about man, Jen, you think about, uh, PR, you think about creative operations. And I think uh, today, so right and left brain of marketing. And I think that um, what someone earlier in their career, if they're interested in marketing, should really think about is what is that horizontal, horizontal set of skills that you need to build as you move vertically up? And I think it's a combination of certainly if you've got the creative bent is exploring that. But if you're more someone like me, it's um, I'm more of an operations guy. It, it's really understanding process data and tech and how those pieces come together to enable the development of better creative. And so how do you orchestrate systems and um, build and orchestrate systems and teams? And I think um, I, the, the opportunity, like Brian Lesser, who just took over AT&T, strikes me as one of the first um, uh, digital native uh, CMOs. And now he's at a clearly a company that has a lot of data. So it was a, it was a smart move. But I think I think it isn't only the mad men. It's the math men who are going to uh, and women who um, are going to uh, play stronger as we go forward. So, I, you know, I do think. Kyle, like one of the things I had a, a little bit of experience with, but probably not as much as I should have, um, was getting into the tech. So really knowing Marketo, really knowing Salesforce, really knowing how to pull the data yourself besides relying on analysts so that you can use data to inform uh, decisions and campaigns. I was just talking about this with my team today. Like we have a buyer stage. We're looking at stage three. Uh, content. How are we going to know what's working? You know, we got to have someone go pull the WordPress files. And I, I think I would be benefited if I had had more experience with some of that technology myself. I'm, you know, fluent in Salesforce, but not the other marketing tech stack. So I think every marketer benefits from uh, feeling comfortable being in technology and understanding how to work with data. I love that. I love that. And last question, you know, we talked in the beginning, we started off this conversation with what I like to call the crystal ball to marketing's future, being able to say, let's look back at where marketing's been the last 20 years to where we are today and the importance of the right message at the right time and knowing that right moment. And one of the things you've been emphasizing is the importance of content and content marketing. And I know that that is the bedrock of Percolate. I'd love if you share little bit of what Percolate offers and the and then what uh, how you've seen content marketing make such a difference in a business's marketing mix. Yeah, great, Kyle. So a couple things. One is so Percolate, we, one of the things I helped figure out when I came on board, I've been here about a year, was 
going back to your comment around focus. So Percolate works with large enterprises. So the Fortune 2000. And the reason is, if you can have a bunch of marketers sitting in a room and deciding what they want to do, campaigns need to go up when and share status, you don't need a system, a workflow automation, a system of orchestration like Percolate. Where we add value is for large companies. We have VMware, Cisco, Citrix, other large software companies, Eaton, Rockwell, Caterpillar, manufacturing companies. These are large companies with a lot of product marketing, a lot of regions, and a lot of marketers. And what you find, Kyle, is when you walk in, these large companies are using PowerPoint and Excel. They use the 90-day marketing calendar, or even six months. And then they use Excel to track the campaigns. And when you're trying to move at the speed of business, and I think this is one of the things that Percolate discovered having been primarily a social media management tool, was the speed of marketing in the social sphere is radically different than TV, clearly. And that the more and more marketing is going to move at the speed of business, i.e. you have to be able to react in near real time to third-party content, uh, situation, uh, news, et cetera, as it's unfolding, um, you will need a system that helps you better orchestrate and provide visibility to what's going on. Uh, PowerPoint, Excel, and Google Docs is not going to enable that. And so that that's a problem we're, we're trying to solve is to help modern marketers uh, better orchestrate the way they do campaigns broadly across regions. And again, it's enterprise level. So I think um, what I will say as far as what is that enabling is one of the secular trends. Is I think you are finding marketing teams being structured around this ideal of agile and sprints and, and, and embracing a lot of the uh, methodologies and philosophy of agile development and applying it to marketing. And I've seen this, there's a guy named Yasha with Mozilla that's doing this. And it's really incredible that he has these teams to come together for two week sprints and work on the content. And so what's think about, gosh, they're up and going in less than two weeks. How long are most enterprise taking to produce campaigns and content? It's just a different world. And I think the world's going to be more like what Yasha and Mozilla are doing and less like what some very big companies do um, today. Well, Randy, I think you've given us a lot to think on and act on in regards to being able to future-proof our process and organize uh, content for the right audience at the right time. It's been a real privilege having you with us here today. Thank you so much for making time for us to be able to connect. Yeah, my pleasure. Hey, I want to thank you for listening to this episode of Marketing from the Roosevelt Room. I know you have a lot of options out there when it comes to podcasts and want to sincerely appreciate the time you've given to joining me here today. If you have enjoyed this conversation, I would love to invite you to join our free Facebook group called Marketing from the Roosevelt Room, where we take these conversations, open it up in longer format, do some live video, bring in our interviewers for Q&A, and get more of a dialogue dialogue going. You can find us at facebook.com forward slash groups. 
that's group is in plural, groups forward slash marketing with Roosevelt, or just search for marketing from the Roosevelt Room with Kyle Willis. And come join us. We'd love to connect. If you're interested in knowing how to get some of these services done for your business, we do offer a done for you service through our digital marketing agency, No to the Quo. And you can find us at no to the quo.com. Again, thank you for joining. Looking forward to connecting with you on the next episode. Have a great day.